Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to this edition of the John Frisella Show on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. Of course, joining me for this is the is the legend himself, John Frisella. How are you doing today, Johnny? Oh, not too bad, Wes. You know, it's interesting. Every week one, I'm like Mr. Positivity. You know, you, you saw me on Twitter. I'm up all night. I'm watching every game. I'm taking notes on every game. But then I realize after week one, I'm still a Jets fan and I'm a laughing stock <laughs> of the league. And also, I may win in every other league that's not like the leagues that I care about. But the leagues I care about, I start 0-1 guaranteed. So my two longest running leagues, I'm 0-1 and 0-1. And the Jets are probably going to go 0-16. So, yeah, I feel pretty good. That's how I feel. <laughs> I'm sorry. We did, I didn't mean to pop your bubble there, John. You can, you can find John over at Legend Sports 7. What, what a great follow he is on game day, leading up to game days. If you have any questions about maybe a start-sit question or anything, that's the guy to ask. He'll give it to you straight. He'll break your heart if he has to, but he'll definitely try and tell the truth about those things. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what's interesting, Wes? I've been getting a lot of those requests the last couple of weeks, so I appreciate that. I want to thank everybody uh, who's been reaching out to me, and I get back to as many as I can as fast as I can. Um, So keep them coming, and we'll get those lineups set. And don't forget about uh, John's blog over at, I, I just Google John Frisella blog and bam, it's right there. Yeah, John uh, Frisella Sports. Uh, that You could just Google John Frisella Sports. It'll come right up. Yeah. And also don't, don't forget about the column over at Aaron Torres Sports um, that I'm doing as well every week. So a lot of writing, a lot of stuff coming out. So hope to hear from everybody. Okay, now look, I'm going to go over my notes right here, John. I know you don't have your my notes in front of you, but I was going to say this, and listen to how I inflect my voice, okay? Uh, oh, John, there's a new place people can find one of your weekly articles now, I think. Where's that exactly? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, that's at Aaron Torres uh, online. Aaron Torres online, he's a Fox Sports News uh, radio guy, big personality, really, really nice guy. Everybody will enjoy his stuff. Um, so I'm over there doing the uh, senior fantasy column every week and also some other NFL stuff. So check me out over there. And of course, over at John Priscilla blog and right here with my man, Wes Easley, and also with uh, fantasy coach JB, Jared Barry. <laughs> yes, all those people are on the Fantasy Impact Today network. And you can follow the show on Twitter at FI Today with a little underscore. And all the people's names are located right there. And their Twitter handles are located right there on the bio. So make sure you follow everybody and give everybody a bunch of support. And later today, John, I'm going to actually uh, put our Fit Picks on there. And uh, one of them was going to be very surprising for everyone until uh, some injury news came out today. And I'm not going to do that. You know, you you know me. I like to shoot for the long shots, John, and you could give me a hard time on Twitter at Loafinit about my long shots that I do. But man, I just I love the underdogs a lot of times. Maybe that's just because I've been an underdog my whole life. Yeah, well, if I remember correctly, when I looked at the standings from these picks after week one, you were you were down there at the bottom. We're not talking, so we're not keep... talking about the picks, John. <laughs> keep you know, just keep shooting for those long shots, my friend. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you're a long shot anyway because you're you're West Buckets, man. You get buckets. So in basketball, I think you're always a favorite. Mr. Buckets to you, Mr. please, Buck. sir. Yes, but we got a lot of things to cover over here on week two. We're, we're just going to dump into it. I think the very first game that we can look at, and I think the line started out at a minus three and a half, and it's changed to minus one and a half, I, and that's for Philadelphia. I just don't understand this line at all. Yes, I see. That's that's going to be a sucker's bet for everybody to take the Rams. So you're you're spot on that people are going to think that. That's exactly going to be the reaction, right? So the Rams started off, they looked pretty solid. They took down the Cowboys. It was an interesting game. The Eagles looked shaky as heck, right? The Redskins took it to them, especially with that defensive front seven. So everybody's going to feel the same as you, Wes. They're going to open up that line. 
They're going to put up the website. They're going to say, wait a minute here. The Eagles were favorite. And yes, the line is dropping. It went from three and a half to one and a half. But still, as of right now, it's 72% of the action is on the Rams. So I'm going to have to go ahead and take the Eagles. That's the way I'm leaning. Wow. Yeah, Carson Wentz. I haven't seen somebody sacked that many times since I went to the grocery store, man. And Aaron Donald is going there, and he is a sack machine. I just don't know how Philly's going to move the ball on him. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. I think it's going to be a little bit uglier than people think, right? And that's another line to look at, Wes. It opened at 48, the over and the over-under. It is now 45.5. So I think that the lines makers think the same thing. They think that if it is the Eagles who are going to pull it out, It'll be a defensive struggle more than people think. And keep in mind, I think that, this is off the top of my head, I think that Cowboys-Rams game ended like 21-17 or something like that. There was They were moving the ball but not scoring a lot of touchdowns. So it could be similar. It could be like 24-17, 24-20. So I think you're right. They're not going to light them up on the scoreboard with the offense. Yeah, Higby was a dud last week for everybody who you know, went crazy over him. He was one of those hot names in the offseason. But Philadelphia let Logan Thomas become a household name last week. Do we see Higby going off? I don't think he can go off just because there's too many guys getting the ball with the Rams, right? I think that's a good topic to bring up in general and and something we should discuss is that's the issue with this. It's not whether or not Higby's good. If you took Higby and you put him on another team, like say the Jets, for example, he, he'd be getting a ton of targets because he's a good player on his own. But the Rams right now, they have Robert Woods, they have Cup, they have the rookie Van Jefferson, they have Reynolds, they have the second tight end, Everett, they had receiving catches for both Malcolm Brown and Akers out of the backfield. So if you add that all together, it's going to be so hard for Higby to have a big game. It's not about whether or not he's good. It's about the situation. And you know, I've been bringing it up all week. The same thing is happening in Carolina with those three receivers getting the same amount of targets. DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Robbie Anderson, formerly of my Jets. So you got to keep an eye on the situations where it's not the player. It's not a knock on the player. It's just, can they get enough looks within the four quarters when you consider the fact the defense is going to have their time on the field, that we're going to go back and forth. Other guys are going to get looks. Is there enough there for Higby to have a big game? I don't think so. Yeah, and you bring up Carolina versus Tampa Bay. That line is at minus nine right now on Tampa Bay's side. If I'm not, am I saying that right? Is Tampa Bay is minus nine right now? That's correct. And right. When I look at that game, Tampa did not. That seems like a big spread for a team in Tampa that just wasn't that gelled together last week. I, I, it probably had less gel in that offensive system than Rob Gronkowski has in his hair on a Friday night. <laughs> I think Gronk has it in his hair during the games now. That's how useless he is. If you saw if you saw him this past week, you might as well put him back on TV because I don't think he's going to have a lot of use out there on the football field. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think you're right. It's certainly a high line, and I do think that it's hard to have Brady lose two games in a row. I don't think that's going to happen. But to win by, let's say, about 10, which is basically what they're going to need, 9 or 10 points, that's going to be asking a lot because, remember, Chris Godwin is doubtful, and it sounds like – He's on the really wrong side of doubtful. So I, I think you're right. To me, it feels like the Bucks will win because Brady won't go 0-2, and he certainly won't go 0-2 against Teddy Bridgewater. He's not going to let that happen in a one-on-one matchup. But I would say they're probably only going to win by a maximum of four or five points. That would be a maximum. So I think you're probably going to have to take Carolina and assume they're going to lose it by a field goal or something. I always find it funny when we think things like that. Tom Brady's not going to let that happen. Like he's going to run out there on defense and make it stop. You know, he's, <laughs> he doesn't have a lot to do with it other than being comeback Tommy Brady, of course. I, I look for Ronald Jones to have a big game here. Carolina was like a sieve to uh, the Las Vegas running back last week. I, am I thinking right on this? 
Yeah, you are absolutely thinking right. That's actually one of my top plays on DraftKings this week because I don't think from what I saw in the first game that Fournette is there yet with the playbook. I don't believe he has the knowledge, and I don't think he's ready to get more than, like, say, seven or eight touches in a game. I think it's going to take till week four or five because Arians is pretty complicated. He's got an interesting book. There's a lot of stuff going on there with the Bucks. So with that being said, Ronald Jones had a heavy workload. Uh, again, off the top of my head, I think I had 19 carries in the first game. So his salary is only 5,200. And if you look around, there's some guys above him, like your boy, David Montgomery. David Montgomery's 400 more than Ronald Jones. Why would I even bother with David Mon- when I could get Ronald Jones for 52 against Carolina? So, yeah, I think maybe maybe he won't have a huge game, but he's certainly for his salary on DraftKings, someone that you're going to want to invest in because then you could match him up with a high salary up top. Yeah, and I I think about this too, that Carolina defense is a is a lot weaker than the New Orleans defense, and Tom Brady and and, and the Bucks just weren't able to put together a lot of sustainable drives. More more first downs are going to mean more opportunities for Ronald Jones, and that's I, I I find him as a great DFS option as well. A team traveling across the country, Denver. They're going to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is minus seven right now. Denver is waking up early in the morning. Their defense is really injury-plagued right now. Ben Roethlisberger looked to have a great grasp of that offense. That team was looking good on Monday night, John. This this one, I think you could put this at minus 12, and I'd still like the Steelers. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on, but it seems like we're we're on the same page so far. I just don't see how Denver's going to move the ball uh, successfully against that defense. If you saw what it was like for Saquon Barkley, every time he even touched the ball, they already had him in the backfield. Not only one guy. There were two defenders in the backfield. Every time he had the ball in his hands, there was literally nothing he could do. So you can't run it against them. And we know that they have the big names, right? They have Watt. They have Hayward. They have all these guys, all these top guys, Micah Fitzpatrick at safety. So they, they're covering you on all three levels defensively. So I think with an inexperienced quarterback like Locke, who's still got to get his footing, and he still makes some sketchy decisions, I think it's going to be awfully hard for them to cover that spread. It did go up a little bit. It went from five and a half to seven. But I'm with you. I'm thinking the Steelers are going to win this one by two touchdowns because they're going to be able to do it on both sides of the field. They're going to be able to make stops, and they're going to be able to drive down and score. So I'm definitely going with the Steelers to cover that spread. I know James Conner is playing, but I still think Benny Snell might be a good play here because they may want to rest James Conner in what I view to be a blowout. I know that it's 40 and a half points for a point total, and I think the dealers are going to get 40 of those. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they may get most of it. Uh, Benny Snell, there's a good and the bad here, obviously, right? The good is he's only 4,500 on DraftKings. That's like unheard of for a running back that can, that you can use. The only other guys down there that you can use this week that you can take a shot on are Cam Akers, who even though he didn't have a good game the first week, is 4,500. He had 14 carries. So if you want to go off the opportunity, he might get some opportunities. The other guys are James Robinson from the Jaguars, who they said they're going to lean on this week. He's at 4,400. And Peyton Barber, who scored two touchdowns for the Washington football team in the opener, he's at 4,400. So other than that, the only guy there with them is Benny Snell. The problem is if Connor does play, plus the fact that Snell doesn't get catches, he's real of a, he's a pure rusher. That's his style. That's his game. So, uh, yeah, I think you could take a chance on him. I don't know if you want to have too much when there's other guys in the area you can also share with. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely worth a look. This next game, everybody's looking for it for fantasy points. Not only that, but Vegas has bumped the lineup three and a half points to put that total at 53 and a half. Look at that point spread too, John. Look at look at where it's dropped to. You have the Atlanta Falcons versus the Dallas Cowboys, and Dallas is now at minus three and a half, but it opened at minus seven. 
Yeah, that's uh, I can't imagine that game not being a back and forth game that comes down to the last team that has the ball and they either hit you for that big play when you think they're going to go underneath and they're going to set up the field goal or they hit you over the top and they strike you there or it ends up in a situation where they kick a field goal goes to overtime or they kick a field goal and the game ends. That's that's the way I look at it. That game is going to come down to the last couple of possessions or possibly even the first overtime game. Um, so yeah, that's going to go back and forth. All you're going to fire all those guys up. You got to unload the clip in this game, right? You got <laughs> Dak Prescott, you got Matt Ryan, you got Julio Jones, you got Calvin Ridley. Uh, keep an eye on Cooper. Cooper's questionable. I think he's going to play. That's not an issue, but maybe if you want to go with the healthier guys, you go with Michael Gallup, right? And obviously got to go with Zeke. How the heck is the, Fal- how are the Falcons going to stop Zeke the way he looked the yeah. first week? So, uh, yeah. And that line dropped from seven to three and a half. Same old story with the Falcons. It's like you look at it from a betting perspective and they seem like the right play and then they always burn you. So, and also the Cowboys coming off a loss as well. So right now it's at three and a half. I'm probably going to take the Cowboys to win by six points, right? Like I said, if it goes to overtime, maybe they score a touchdown or maybe they win it by three with a field goal at the end. So it's going to be close to the spread, but I'm taking the Cowboys to win that game straight up at least. Yeah, Atlanta is one of those teams. If you decide, hey, I'm never going to take Atlanta anymore, then you go, okay, no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to figure out Atlanta. I'm going to go opposite of whatever I think with Atlanta, and then the Atlanta will go opposite of your opposite. It's just one of those things that they do. Uh, another play here that I think people have to make: if if you don't have Russell Gage on your team, that's fine. But if you're in need of wide receiver play or uh, you know somebody on your bench that you could stash, because Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. We've known them to nurse injuries in the past or maybe be injured. And Russell Gage right now is clicking in that offense. I think all three wide receivers had 12 targets last week. And right now, Hayden Hurst does not seem to have a connection with Matt Ryan. Yeah. Should we take a bow? Should we take a collective bow? Because we covered this before the season that everybody's talking about Hayden Hurst on fantasy Twitter. By the way, this guy got all the way up to the number 11 tight end off the board in redraft. So he went from being like 20-something to number 11. Everybody's getting all caught up in the hype because of Austin Hooper's numbers playing with Matt Ryan. Uh, And we said, hey, man, there's nobody telling you that he's going to be ahead of Russell Gage. And, yeah, it's one week into the season. But if you look at the way the targets were, Russell Gage got as many targets as Julio Jones and Ridley. All three guys got 12 targets. So it's not even close right now. Now, that being said, obviously I like Gage better going forward. We, We planted our flag on him before the season. But also, I think Hayden Hurst could be tricky this week because people are going to think what you thought, Wes. They're going to say he's not ready yet. So maybe more for DFS than the rest of the season, this might be a time to sneak Hayden Hurst in there because maybe he'll be less owned because he had a bad week. But overall, for the year, I'm liking Russell Gage obviously a lot better. I would agree with you. This team's waking up early, too, traveling and going and playing your Jets. The San Francisco 49ers last week, Tevin Coleman, didn't have a lot to do in the game because of the bad air conditions. He's not going to have that this week in New York, but I think he might end up clouding up that backfield for the San Francisco 49ers. Can we start Mostart with a lot of confidence or just minimal confidence, Johnny? Well, there's two reasons there. One is I don't think Coleman really cuts into Mostart anymore unless the game is a blowout, right? Because Mostart is a lot better than him. If you if you watch this team, I mean, Mostart has fresh legs. The guy's like 28, 29 years old, so he's not young for a running back. But because he had been cut so many times and so little teams gave him an opportunity to show what he could do, he's got fresh legs. So he's almost like having a 23-year-old running back. And you saw it last week on that screenplay that he broke for a long touchdown. By the way, it's another guy we were pushing on here for DFS, and he had a monster game. So I hope that worked out for you. 
Um, that being said, I don't think Coleman is a threat to him unless it's a blowout. Then they're going to split the carries. Um, but the issue in this game is I don't think there's really anybody out there for the 49ers with George Kittle being out who's a threat through the air. So I'm still going to have to, out of everybody on that team, I'm still going to have to play Mostart because I don't trust them throwing the ball with this group of guys. And I don't think Coleman comes in unless it's a blowout. And I don't think it can be a blowout because the 49ers aren't going to score enough with their team is really beat up. So at the end of the day, I'm still going to play Mostart out of everybody on this team. He's going to be the play, but can't be that confident. The second reason is the Jets, the only thing they can do, the only thing they're known for is stop the run. They're, they're literally not known for anything else good. So that's the only thing to keep in mind with them. So before Crowder went out, this was going to be my shocker pick of the week, was the New York Jets beating the San Francisco 49ers because the 49ers are so beat up. They are offensively, they're just so depleted. On the defensive side, they are starting to get beat up. They have the Super Bowl hangover where that team that loses the Super Bowl just has a pretty bad year, never makes the playoffs anyway. This 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 game just smells like an upset for the Jets. And then when Crowder went down, I went, oh, there's no way. I, I would just look so silly. And then, John, you know, I might look like a genius if I end up doing it. Yeah, I, you're not the only one. I got to tell you, shout out to my buddy Steve Summer, who is one of the sharpest sports people I know. He's not a huge guy on Twitter. He's at VanHorn underscore 44. He doesn't care too much about the Twitter stuff. But between he and I over the years, this guy knows his stuff. And one of the games, and he, by the way, he's a Giants fan, and he has no affinity for the Jets. And he said the same thing as you, Wes. He said, I got my eye on the Jets this week. I don't care who's out. I don't care what everybody's saying with the noise about how bad they were and everybody's ripping gays. He said, something feels fishy to me, and I, I'm probably going to take the Jets with the spread. So that keeps <laughs> yeah, so you, it could be. Now, the good news for you is I'm going to have to cut this show early because I have a tryout with the Jets uh, at 4 o'clock. <laughs> I got to shoot over there. So I, I, I'm a good guy in the slot. I played a little bit back in the day. So maybe I'll take Crowder's spot this week, and we'll be able to turn things around. Maybe so. You're going to have to send me who that guy is. Me and him sound like we're bunk buddies right now this week. Hey, and over in Miami, Buffalo is going to go down there. I did not think Josh Allen would throw the ball as many times as he threw it last week. They are they are at minus five and a half. The Buffalo Bills are. They look pretty confident as far as the public's eye. They got 76% of the votes. Do you think that Miami has any shot at all at stopping the Buffalo Bills this week? Yeah, well, it's it's on both sides. I want to say something positive about Buffalo, and that is their coaching is really good, right? McDermott, they locked them up long-term now. They know what they have. They have a clearly have a program, and if you watch that game, obviously I did because it was against the Jets, but if you watch that game, you saw Josh Allen already looks like a different player, just like he did last year. The first year, he looked like he couldn't complete a pass. The second year, you said, okay, he showed some flashes. It looks like the kid might be able to come along. This week, the first week against the Jets, and by the way, the Jets' defense was not bad last year. They just don't have Jamal Adams now. That's really the big difference. Mm -hmm. But if you saw him, he looked polished. He looks like he's ready to come along. And that's a credit to the coaching staff and, of course, the kid himself for working on his game and getting better. So, so that's the positive about Buffalo. They're going in the right direction. They have a good program. Things are coming together. The negative is the Dolphins look shaky, but that was against the Patriots' defense. And the Patriots' defense against Fitzpatrick, they can get in his head. Right, he's a guy that turns the ball over. He makes some sloppy throws. They can really get in your mind and screw up your game plan. I don't feel the same way about Buffalo. I like their personnel. I think they have a good defense, but I don't feel they're as smart as the Patriots. I don't think they can confuse Fitzpatrick as much. So I do think that the Dolphins are going to get there. They're going to cover this game. Uh, it's five and a half, six, depending on the book that you're looking at right now. I got the Dolphins losing this game by three. 
The over-under is 43. I got this like 24-21 or 20-17 to with the Bills on top and the Dolphins covering the spread. Boy, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He just looked like he knew his time was just about up in Miami. I don't, I don't. It, there was no Fitz magic at all. It was a Fitz putts or something like that. I, I don't know what it was last week. Maybe it was because he didn't know who in the world was going to be behind him or next to him in the backfield. I don't know what they did in the backfield last week with Miami. Yeah, they they were mixing it up. Breida didn't even get in there, and Jordan Howard was getting a weird amount of touches. And who's the other one? Gaskin. Was it yeah. Miles? Gatt? It was that, yeah. that. I mean, that was the guy the Jets traded for, and he failed the physical, and he became their starting <laughs> running back, right? It's, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. So, and not only that, don't forget the wide receivers. Both guys were questionable going into the game, Parker and Williams. So you're right. It was a lot of confusion with the Dolphins. Not really sure what the game plan is, but that's the type of time when you got to strike. Right when everyone says, "Ooh, it looks really bad. This the wheels are coming off. This team's going to be a mess." Why do you think it's seventy-six percent on Buffalo? Everybody's thinking the obvious thing. When it's that obvious, it's probably not going to be right most of the time. And there, by the way, this week is a heavy week for that. There's like seven games where the public's over seventy percent, which is an abnormal number. I'll run really quick. Eighty-seven percent on the Chiefs. Eighty-one percent on the Ravens. Seventy-four percent on Jacksonville. Seventy-seven percent on Minnesota. 76% on Buffalo, 78% on the 49ers, 72% on the Rams. That's good. Those are crazy numbers. There's no way all the obvious games can win. So the key is going to be where can you pick them when it's against the grain and it's the right time. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Dolphins to cover the spread. I'm going to take the Bills to win the game and to pick them. Well, in the next game you just talked about briefly, Minnesota at Indianapolis, that point total started out at 46. It's all the way up to 49. I guess they don't think that there's going to be any defense played in Indianapolis, and I can't say that I blame them. I've been telling you that Minnesota uh, defensive backfield is just going to be terrible, and the Green Bay Packers proved that last week. Are the Colts going to do the same thing? Yeah, how about you picking out the Vi- – I mean, what the heck happened to that Vikings defense? Uh, I'm not that surprised only because it was Green Bay. And and as I've been saying, and you, a lot of us have been saying, Aaron Rodgers, the second they drafted yeah. Jordan Love, this guy's on a mission. He looked like, and by the way, before the season, I ranked him as the third best player in the NFL. Not for fantasy. Right. Not for fantasy. The third best player in the NFL, meaning if I'm going to win a Super Bowl and I got to trust my quarterback all the way to the end, he's still number three right behind Pat Mahomes and Russell Wilson. And I think he showed that the first game. Because, again, Minnesota, they lit them up, but I don't think that's going to be Minnesota every game. Uh, You think it might be that way again this week because the line is moving up, so I understand where you're at. But that's not going to be every game. Minnesota will settle in. They have like four or five pro bowlers on defense. Um, But this game in particular, everybody got sour on the Colts really quick, huh? It was like, oh, the Colts are a pick. They're a dark horse. They could be the third best team in the AFC. Then they lose to Jacksonville, and everyone's like, the Colts suck. They're the worst team in the NFL. So it's like that that kind of flipped quick, uh, quickly. So I'm going to have to take the Colts in this game, uh, not only to win the game, I'm going to take them to cover the spread, which is going to be good for you, Wes, because that's going to put Minnesota at 0-2. Uh, I'm going to go 27-20 to Indianapolis Colts. Do you think that Naheem Hines is Philip Rivers' new Austin Eckler? Certainly appears that he's going to be in that type of mix. And the injury to Marlon Mack, who's now done for the season. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think, you know, I picked up Hines everywhere. I don't care what I had to bid for him. I picked him up. I'm talking about full point PPR. Why not? Because if he if he does become that Eckler guy, which is a good comparison, by the way, he had seven, eight catches right out the gate. And that was with all three guys there at some point. Mac, Mac wasn't out the first play of the game. So all three guys, all running backs were active at some point. So, yeah, I, I mean, you got to give Hines a couple of shots. 
Uh, he looks pretty decent this week on uh, DraftKings. I think he's 5,300. So I think you got to try and ride the hot hand, see how he is. Also, just because the Colts named Jonathan Taylor the starting running back doesn't mean he's going to come in and be comfortable right out of the gate in this game. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm sticking with Hines this week, and I'm sticking with him for the season. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, and, you know, Naheem Hines, he may be like a – a sprawl type of back that is just better coming off the bench. If he's already comfortable in that role, why not let him continue in that role where he's been productive in years past and definitely was productive last week. So not only that, you you talk about Naheem Hines, you think about the wide receiving core in Indianapolis. That is not the healthiest bunch for a long period of time. At some point, we all know that that wide receiving core is going to go down with injuries. And you already see Jack Doyle going down. He, I think he's out for this week. So Naheem Hines could just have a monster, monster target share. Yeah, he certainly could because obviously Hilton always comes up with those day-to-day injuries that you got to keep an eye on. That's always the story with him. And Paris Campbell, they had to nurse him through injuries last year. They had to baby his snap counts and stuff. So, yeah, and Pittman's a rookie, right? We don't know what we're going to get from him. So I, I got to say we have to invest in Hines. And and that's interesting because you you mentioned him on a previous show but while the two other guys were there when it was Mac and Taylor, and you said, hey, how do we get this guy the ball? How does he How does he break through? And I guess the answer is Marlon Mack goes out for the season. And not only that, Hines started the game on top of that. He was getting the work to start. So he clearly, Frank Reich and company with the Colts, were feeling the same way as you. We got a good player here, and we're going to get him the ball. I don't know how you guys remember things I say. I don't remember anything I say. I don't listen to you guys, so I don't I don't know. <laughs> but no, I, I I don't remember things I say like that, and it's probably just because I've moved on to the next thing. I'm like one of those golden retrievers that you sit there and you hold a ball in front of my face, and I'm thinking, ball, 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 and then you throw it, and I see a squirrel running in the yard, and then all of a sudden I'm on to the squirrel. You know, I just, I keep jumping around, John. That's just yeah. what I do. That's a good thing. It's a good thing for me because when we do the show like two or three weeks from now, I'm just going to change the history of everything you said. So you're going to notice by like week five, you were wrong about everything. You're going to be like, well, oh, I did say you're right, John. I did say that uh, you're 100 percent right as usual. And I haven't been right for like six weeks now. What the heck is going on? Well, this is I'm going to be right on this next game. We got Detroit going to Green Bay. This this point total started out at 46 it's up to 50 green bay is minus six and a half i don't care you can set that at 20 galladay is out they they got some guy named cephas trying to catch balls there in detroit they're they're leaning on adrian peterson in the backfield john green bay is going to take the take detroit out to the woodshed i don't think so i think they got you trapped by the way here we are we're back to west with his problems with rookies Man, you really got to vent that. Cephas is a rookie that was getting some hype on fantasy Twitter uh, during the offseason, and he showed up the first game. The timing was off, which is normal. Obviously, there's no preseason game, and it's his first game of the year, right? There was nothing to work off of, but he was getting the looks. That's what we always go by, right? He got a lot of looks. I think he got 11 targets. So, yeah, I mean, again, you always jump on these poor rookies, but the bright side for you is none of them really played well in the first week except for CEH. So for the most part, you were right in week one. Most of the rookies did struggle. Um, yeah, but this is one of those games where I'm not going to fall for the trap of the obvious pick because it does look very obvious that the Packers are going to cover this game. I think the Lions are going to grind them because remember, as you know very well, but maybe not everyone knows, that those were your boys, the Bears, that took them down in a game that they really thought was in their back pocket and they thought it was over with. And they blew that game. So that's going to be in their mind this week. They're going to say, this ain't happening. We're going to grind this game to the last play. So I do think maybe Swift will get some more touches. I know he dropped the game. It cost them the the entire win. Uh, But that being said, he also was getting open out of the backfield. He showed some good springy legs. 
So I think you're going to see more of him this week. Amendola is going to continue to get his share. Marvin Jones is going to get his. Hawkinson's going to get his. Um, uh, it's going to be close. This this one is going to come down to the wire. I think more than usual, this week has a lot of games that are going to come down to the wire. I usually can handpick five or six blowouts. This week, I don't see it. I see a lot of games where people are going to be sweating uh, watching those games and watching NFL Red Zone. So sweat this one out. I'm going to take the Packers to win by three. Okay. Do you see anybody emerging in Green Bay as that second wide receiver? I think Devontae Adams had 17 targets last week. MVS had a good game. Lazard was still somebody who seemed to like you, you could almost count on. But every week that seems to change in years past in Green Bay and who Aaron Rodgers' favorite target is. Because I don't think it matters what the name is. I think he just picks apart a defense. He picks apart a defense, and that shows you how good Adams is, right? Because we're not the only ones that know that. People know that the ball's going to Adams, especially they know it's going to Adams in the red zone. The guy's a machine. He's double-digit touchdowns every year. And yet, what happens the first game of the year when you know without a doubt the other team is game planning to make sure that guy doesn't score the touchdowns, he gets two touchdowns because his footwork is so good and the ball placement is so good from Rodgers, it doesn't matter. That's what people don't understand. Watch some film of the best quarterbacks. Sometimes the defense is spotless. Sometimes you look at the film and go, whoa, they had that totally covered. They knew where it was going. Everybody was in the right place. But the ball just lands right in his hands, and he keeps his feet in bounds. Devontae's a master at that, right? Keeps mm-hmm. his feet in at the high point. The defender jumps up. He can't get to the ball. It drops in his hands, and it's a touchdown. So that's the problem when you're that good and you're that precise, which Russell Wilson is the master right now, right? That guy's unbelievable out of this world with the ball placement. When you're that good, the defense don't matter unless you got three guys on him. You're going to triple cover Devontae Adams? I don't think so. So the answer to your question is yes, I think Lazard is the second guy. He's the most well-rounded. And MVS is going to be that same type of guy. He's going to have games like he had in week one where he blows up. Then he's going to go quiet. He's going to go asleep for a few weeks. He's going to wake up in week five when you already released him. He's going to score two touchdowns. So it's going to continue that way. Lazard's number two and MVS is number three. I think this is a get right game. I say get right. It's not like you went anywhere. But Aaron Jones... They're going to want to find give him in the end zone this week. I think Aaron Rodgers makes it a point to get him in the end zone just because he was a little quiet last week. And I, I do think that it's going to be the Adams, Rodgers, and Jones show in Green Bay this year. Yeah, hey, this, that's my boy. You know that's my boy, Aaron yeah. Jones. I, I, I'm with you. And also I agree with that in this game in particular because now we're talking DraftKings here. Rodgers is way up there in the salary. Right. So if you go over there and you check it out, he's third this week in salary at quarterback, which he certainly was not last week. That's a reaction to what he did in the first game. So I believe the same thing. I think when the Packers win this game and they win it by three or four, they're going to do it with a solid ground game. And it's just going to be a nice performance from Rodgers. Not going to be five touchdowns and 360 yards lighting everybody up. I think it's going to be a solid game that's going to get them a win and that's going to get the Lions to cover the spread. The next game, I think you could. Watch highlights of this next game that we're going to talk about and put the Three Stooges theme song right behind it, okay? Because it is the Giants versus the Chicago Bears, and both of these young quarterbacks show promise so many times, but then at the same time, they have you pulling out your hair the next play. With Daniel Jones and Mitch Trubisky, it could be a circus there in Chicago. Chicago right now is minus five and a half. The public is on the Giants, though, John. 67% of the public are rooting for the Giants. I'm furious. I'm going to tell you why I'm furious. In the old days, they used to show the Jets at 1 o'clock and the Giants at 4 o'clock. 
So we yeah. could watch it here. And that, that was always like that. I'm talking about decades, not like a couple of years. And as of last year, they stopped doing that. So my point is now I can't watch this game and I want to see what's going to happen because you hit the nail on the head. Every play could be a different player with these two quarterbacks. Every quarter could be a different player with these two quarterbacks. Every half, you don't know what's going to happen. So that makes it fun. That's like, yeah. it's like a movie with a twist ending, but the twist is happening every five seconds in that game. So <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm, I'm upset. I'm upset that I'm not going to get to see this game. Uh, let me ask you, my friend, because you're the Bears guy. Uh, I have a situation with one of my teams where I'm thinking Michael Thomas is not going to play, and it's a it's a super flex team, and I got to decide between Drew Brees and Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in a normal week with Michael Thomas, I don't even think about it. Trubisky never gets off my bench. But how do you feel about that situation? Do you like Trubisky in this matchup against the Giants? Uh, I'm also considering the fact that he's going to scramble when Drew Brees is not going to scramble. What do you what do you think about that situation? The scrambling still hasn't been there all that much for Mitch Trubisky. As far as what I saw from him that very first year, I think that they're trying to create him into a pocket presence more so than anything else. I I look for a bounce-back game from Drew Brees, but I don't see the weapons for him to be able to choose from. Mitch Trubisky showed signs last week. It seems like it's very odd to say that I think Trubisky will do better than Brees this week as well. But man, they couldn't. The, the Giants could not stop the short passing attack that the Steelers had against them. So yes, I think Trubisky <laughs> can pick them apart. He'll hit somebody in the numbers. I don't know if that'll be the Giants' defensive players or if it'll be the Bears' defensive players. But they just seem to have something going on offense for me in Chicago outside of Tariq Cohen. Yeah, I'm gonna take that into under advisement. I'm gonna take that into consideration as well. Uh, a shout to my partner, Nathan, on this team. He's my co-coach. We went wire to wire last year in this auction league. Uh, another thing for us is we have Allen Robinson on that team. So if it is a good game for Trubisky, and obviously there was a lot of noise around Allen Robinson this week, maybe he busts up, right? Maybe he says, this is my day to show. I'm going to show everybody that I'm worth the money. Give me that big money and that long contract and I'll, I'll be quiet. So yeah, that's something else for, for us to consider in a stack play, uh, Trubisky and Allen Robinson combination. Yeah, I have a question here, actually, from a listener, John, somebody who does listen to the show or at least follows the show. This is at let me get the let me get his thing right. What the game means to me over on Twitter at Je the first. Okay, and he tweeted at me, or I don't know what do you what do you say? He DM'd me. Is that what it is? I mean, if he if he slid up in your DMs, that people wouldn't be able to see it. That means it was directly to you on the side. He, Easy now. I don't know what that means, but I hear a lot of young kids talking about that, John. I, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I straddle the line. I'm like in between the young kids and the old uh, the old souls. I'm somewhere in the middle of that. I got to cover the whole audience. He, he wants to know, though. He, he asked, uh, should should I flex Adrian Peterson the, this week, Naheem Hines, or James Robinson? What What is your advice to uh, this guy? Yeah, I mean, if it's full point PPR, right, it's always good to have the specifics. It's a no-brainer. So no brainer, you got to go with Heinz. You you can't even think twice because he could actually outscore. Think about this. How about this scenario? Adrian Peterson doesn't get a lot of catches. He could hypothetically have a game where he has no catches, which is common for him sometimes. Uh, so let's say Adrian Peterson has 80 yards rushing. Naheem Hines could get eight catches for eight yards, and he's already outscored him. With no yardage, no running, no yardage at all, he would outscore him in a full-point PPR. So that's why you don't even have a choice there. James Robinson would be the second choice because the Jaguars said they're going to lean on him. But then again, the Jaguars look so good in the opener, you got to think they're going to come back down to earth a little bit. Right, that Tennessee defense could be tough. They could be tricky, and Vrabel's a real physical coach. He gets after you. Um, So, yeah, I think the Jaguars are going to even out a little bit this week. So with that being said, you got to go with Naheem Hines, no doubt, in this situation. 
I agree. That's the advice I gave him as well. James Robinson is one of those sexy picks, I think, that you that you could say with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they do come over here into my neck of the woods against the Tennessee Titans. The public is on the Jacksonville team 74% to 26%. I think that's because the, the, the total started out at minus 11, but it's dropped down to minus 7.5 for the Titans. I, I don't know what to think about this right now. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to drop some knowledge on you and this this will help you as you go forward. Actually, that action by the public is what pushed the line down. So oh. when a line opens like that and and everybody who's betting on Monday and Tuesday is jumping on that team, which you could have expected obviously, right? Cuz Jacksonville surprised people in week 1, so now they're reacting to that performance. It actually pushed it drove the line down to 7 and a half. Uh, and that that may happen even more if the bets continue to come in on Jacksonville, it will push the line down. It could even go to like six or something like that. So that that is what caused it. That being said, uh, it's 74 percent on Jacksonville. There's no doubt in my mind I'm taking Tennessee. I, I'm just going to I don't even care. A.J. Brown's not playing. I know that I don't even care what the scenario is. My situation is when it comes down to it in the second half. Tennessee is going to take Derrick Henry. They're going to ram it down their throats. They're going to wear them down. They're not going to turn the ball over, and they're going to play better defense than Jacksonville. So you add those things up. I think Jacksonville is going to be right there at halftime. And by the end of the game, the Titans are going to pull away. The Titans are going to win this game by 14 or 13 points, one of those two. Wow. Uh, you know, they've done it ever since game one, I think. Uh, well, I say game one, that not since game one, maybe game three of last year. Not Definitely not while Derrick Henry was a rookie. It seemed like they underutilized Derrick Henry as a rookie running back. But last year, they started riding that Derrick Henry train. Is he going to be able to hold up at 30 carries plus every single game? The way he looked in week one, and I uh, luckily I was able to watch their entire game wire to wire because I just wanted to kind of see how he looked. The way he looked, he was not even breaking a sweat in the fourth quarter. So barring a freak play, you know, those non-contact injuries where the guy's running around or doing stretching and he pops something, barring something like that, I don't think you could stop this guy. I think he's a freight train. And like you said, I think part of it is that they didn't work him so hard early in his career. They gave him just an average number of touches and carries. And now that's that's paying dividends because he looks so strong and he's such a central focal point for their offense. Uh, I'm going to say there's nothing stopping this guy. Uh, I think Derrick Henry's a freight train. Can I tell you, at Alabama, he really never never was injured all that often at Alabama. I don't remember him nursing injuries or anything. And I remember against an Auburn team in an Iron Bowl his last season there, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to exaggerate this at all, as I know I can exaggerate things a little bit. He had like 50 carries. I don't remember the exact number, but it was it was an amazing amount of carries. They rode him until he dropped. And I wonder if that's why the Titans, he, he did. He had like a year and a half off where he hardly touched the ball. I was so upset at the Titans for not giving him. I wanted him to get the rookie of the year. We were just, everybody loved Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry gave his heart and soul to the University of Alabama, it felt like, especially after that Auburn game. And uh, so I do agree with you. He's well-rested. My concern is that's a lot of pressure on a running back. I hope they give him some games off where they only give him, you know, 15, 20 carries and lean on Ryan Tannehill a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, that's something they can do if they go 2-0, and right? So if they go 2-0 and here, which I expect they will, they can ease off the gas a little bit the third game and kind of pump, you know, pump the brakes a little bit and try to mix and match a little more. The problem is Darrington Evans, not only did he look shaky in uh in the camp, he was fumbling a lot. He's also injured now and didn't play the first week. They don't really have anywhere else to turn. So in the short term, 
it's going to be him all the way. And another thing is some guys get stronger when they get more carries and it does not phase them at all. And again, if you watch Derrick Henry, if you looked when they did the zoom in on him after the carries late in the game against Denver, when they were pounding them, uh, he was not even breaking a sweat. He was not breathing heavy. And he was just kind of casually walking back to the huddle under the expectation that he was going to get the ball again. And there was nine guys in the box and he was just going to run them over like that. It was a very casual thing for him. So when you got a guy like that, who's not even huffing and puffing after getting 29 carries, you don't have anything to worry about. Unless, like I said, if there's always freak injuries. Other than that, you don't have to worry. Let me remind everybody that they are listening to you. John Frisella out here on the John Frisella Show on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. You can follow John at LegendSports7. You can follow me over on Twitter at LoafingIt. And don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. We have all the hosts of every Fantasy Impact Today Network show listed right on there. And you can follow them all in the bio. Make sure you do that to stay up to date on everything. You can also look for us over on Anchor FM and find whatever platform you normally listen to the show on or what you feel comfortable on. Just go over there, subscribe. Subscribe to the show off that platform. Please rate us or review us however you can on whatever platform that is. If you're on Apple, of course, slap those stars for us and leave a review. We would love to hear from you. John, this next game, we have Washington football team against the Kyler Murray Red Arizona Cardinals. I, I, I can't. I thought Kyler Murray may be the new Lamar Jackson. He was uh, he was like dancing on air. Last oh. week, I, I was I was I have him on a lot of my team, so I was very excited. I mean, the way he was maneuvering through defensive players, it reminded me of a joystick, right? From the old, I'm talking about the old arcade games. I'm not talking about this new yeah. stuff and PS5 that's coming. You know what I mean? I'm talking about the joystick. Choop, 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 choop. He was going right around guys and just leaving them in the dust. So I had a lot of fun watching him. Uh, this game is a lot of people are saying they think that Arizona is going to pull away. Uh, the line has gone up one point from six to seven. Uh, I don't agree. I think everybody is automatically thinking that Washington's first game was a fluke and that Arizona's first game was not, right? Which doesn't surprise me because Arizona was a hype team going into the year and Washington was not. So they're, they're operating under that assumption here in week two. Uh, the thing that's not a fluke for Washington is that front seven that everybody's talking about defensively. Uh, can you stop Murray altogether? No, because they have too many weapons on that team to begin with. And Kingsbury is a crafty coach, a crafty young coach. Uh, you can't stop them altogether, but I think you can contain them to the point that Washington can try to figure out a way to cover the spread. But you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not going to bet against Kyler just because I'm a huge fan now and he has my attention. So I'm not going to go for the blowout, but I am going to actually go with the public on this one. And I'm going to go with the Cardinals to win by 10. A lot of people think it'll be in the 20s. They're going to pull away. I'm going to go with the Cardinals to win by 10 in this one. I love what you said about Kingsbury because I'll go opposite of you and tell you that Ron Rivera is just one of those great football coaches. And we know that he has the health issues in the in the offseason that were revealed to the team and to the public. That makes a team want to play for somebody a little bit harder. You know, it just adds a little bit of juice. They all want to play hard anyway, but it adds a little juice to winning one for the coach. And maybe that was the first one. Maybe there is a letdown game here, but man... I really loved how many targets Logan Thomas had. And I know I keep putting this on a different player at each different field, you know, with Phillip Rivers and Naheem Hines. But maybe Logan Thomas is Ron Rivera's Greg Olson in Washington. Yeah, he could. He certainly could be. He was, he's only 3,600 on DraftKings right now. Oh. And just to throw you some names, I, who knows where they got, you know, usually they have like inside information and they get pretty good lines on these salaries. But like 
Kyle Rudolph is 3,500. I, I don't imagine he's going to be doing much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some guy named Gilliam on the Bills is 3,400, and yet Logan Thomas is 36. So whether or not that's a trap, it certainly feels like a trap, right? Dawson Knox is 3,700, and the Bills barely even looked at him in week one. He's more than Logan Thomas. So it feels like a trap. But that being said, the salary's so low, you could definitely throw him on some teams. The other guy who's down there, as much as I hate to say it, is Chris Herndon from the Jets. With Crowder being out, it's pretty hard not to use Chris Herndon. So looking at those cheaper tight ends, it's Logan Thomas at 3,600 and Herndon at 3,400 and Jordan Akins from the Texans at 3,300. Those are, those are the value plays at the tight end position this week. I like a lot of those names. I, I certainly like a lot of those names, especially our guy in Washington. All right, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. The public thinks, 81% of the public thinks that the uh, Ravens are just going to blow out the Houston Texas uh, Texans. I just, I can't uh, disagree with them. The line is now minus seven and a half on Baltimore, uh, 50 points for the over-under. I could see Baltimore getting 49 of those, John. Yeah, I just think Baltimore actually is going to be the way to go in this game. I actually am going to go with the public, and that would probably be one of the first times ever. Uh, at 81%, you're, a lot of times you automatically lost if you take that team. Because what's going to happen is Vegas is going to adjust the line to exactly where they want it to be, where everybody keeps betting on the Ravens, and then Vegas wins all the money, right? Because they, that, they're just everybody's dumping it one way, and they collect the VIG the opposite way, and it's, it's a cleanup situation. It's dead money, right? But because right now it looks like it went from five to seven and a half for a combination of reasons. One is because the action is on the Ravens, so that's pushing the number up. But the other one is they might have set the line too low to begin with. That minus five might not, not have been high enough. So that's an indicator that they may be off on this game, Vegas. Maybe it's supposed to be minus 11 or minus 12. The disparity between the teams might be large. So I'm going to go with the Ravens to win it by 17 because I just did not like what I saw from the Texans. I think they're a team that's only going to win against lesser competition. To open up against the Chiefs and the Ravens back-to-back, I think they're going to get blown out again. Yeah, I, I don't know who lesser competition is in Houston right now. We talked about two great coaches uh, uh, prior to this game. This one, Houston's coach, just looks like he has the team unprepared. It looks like terrible decisions to be able to get rid of Hopkins. It just it did it didn't look anything like a football team out there to me last Thursday night. No, it didn't. And Bill O'Brien, I think this is it for him. Right? I the only way he keeps doing this every year. The Texans yep. have a bad stretch every season where the fans are calling for Bill O'Brien's head. And it seems like that's it for him. And then guess what? They just rally out of nowhere when you least expect it. And they find a way to get into the playoffs. And a lot of times they either win a playoff game or if they win a division, they get a pass, you know, in the first round. Uh, So it usually works out for him to save himself another year. I think without DeAndre Hopkins, this time he can't save himself. So this, in my opinion, it's his last year as their head coach. I agree that the people saving him has always been Watson and Hopkins, and that half of that chemistry is gone. So I, I can't see it happening again this year. We got Patrick Mahomes, another 87% on the public favoring the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. This line is minus eight and a half for Kansas City. I don't see how in the world the Chargers are going to score anything. Yeah, man, my head hurts looking at this game because my gut is telling me. It's got to be the Chargers. They have to cover this spread somehow. But I can't figure out how they're going to do it, right? I mean, 87%. I can't be going on all these games where it's 80 and whatever. That's how you throw money away. You want you want to open up the dumpster and just dump all your money out into the dumpster? I mean, that's what you do if you take these sucker plays. But I got to figure out a way 
to justify taking the Chargers. And I think what it's going to be is I think the Chiefs are going to be up by 14 and they're going to ease off. They're going to drop into the prevent defense at the end of the game and the Chargers are going to get that cheap backdoor, right? And I, that's what I think it's going to be. So I think the Chiefs are going to be up comfortably, let's say 14 or 21 most of the game. And then they're going to take, they're going to ease off the gas. They're going to know what's in the bag. They're going to put in some substitutes, some second, third tier guys, and the Chargers are going to backdoor this one. Uh, and actually, Tyrod Taylor has been known to be good at garbage time also. That's that's where he shines. He's not as good when the, the stakes are high. When the stakes are low, he gets some stats. So that's my that's my angle on this. So I got the Chiefs winning this game by seven, and I got a touchdown by the Chargers with about 30 seconds to go. That covers the spread. Uh, can we expect good things out of Sammy Watkins here in week two? Or is that just you know Sammy Watkins being Sammy Watkins week one? This This time, I'm going to say yes because everybody keeps saying the opposite. Everyone keeps saying this is what Sammy Watkins does. He shows up in week one. He's enthusiastic about the new season, and he and that's it. He disappears after that. I think with that being said, I think he's actually in for a good year because I looked at the shape he was in. The guy looked like he looked he lost 15, 20 pounds. He was lean and he was mean. So I'm going to go with Watkins having a good at least half a season, which I know is unusual for him. It's more like a quarter of a season. I think you're going to get every other game or basically eight out of 16 games with good production from Sammy Watkins. I, everybody was concerned about Eckler and his uh, lack of point totals for fantasy purposes, but I thought he had a lot of touches last week for for the Los Angeles Chargers. Should I need to be a little more concerned about Eckler? Not certainly not this week. You definitely got to like Eckler because if the Chargers are behind, which I think is the game script in this game, uh, that's going to take Joshua Kelly out of the mix. That means it's going to be Eckler out there. They're going to open up the four wide, and they're going to have Eckler out of the backfield, and they're going to dump it off a million times. So certainly not this week. You might have to worry about him in a game that's closer because Kelly looked really good in his first game. He looked sharp. He looked strong. He was a downhill runner. He was excited. You could see the excitement in his game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so this week, no, you don't have to worry about Eckler going forward in a tighter game. It might be more like a 60-40 split. Uh, as opposed to this week, which is going to be more like 80-20 for Eckler. All right. I said I said Sunday night. It's a Sunday evening game, 425. So it's that's afternoon slate for that one because this one is the Sunday night game, and I'm really looking forward to this game. I don't know if New England is for real or not. I don't know if Cam Newton has uh, gone in the wayback machine and captured some of that magic. He didn't look bad, especially running the ball. I think passing the ball, there was a little bit of rust there. But they are going against the Seattle Seahawks, and they, the defense looked pretty good there. Right now it's minus four for on Seattle. What do you think about this game, John? Oh, this is a tough one because in the back of my mind, I always feel like the NFL wants the Patriots to be relevant for as long as possible okay. because I think the ratings, no matter who it is, this is another guy who's a draw, right? Cam Newton is a draw. He, You see after the game and the press conferences, he's one of the famous dressers of the league. He says some stuff that's a little bit wacky. Uh, he's also been around a long time. He's a big name. Uh, it's a new situation that people want to see what it's like without Tom Brady there. So in the back of my mind, I keep thinking, and as we know from the flags year after year and all the big spots, they always go against the other team. I'm thinking that they want the Patriots to hang around in this one. First primetime game of the year, and I'm sure everybody's thinking Russell Wilson looks so good. How the heck could the Seahawks possibly lose this game when the Patriots still got to figure out their offense and how things are going to run? So with that being said, I think this one's going to be a sweat. I don't know. My my gut tells me the Patriots are going to win this game. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I can't stand the Patriots. But I feel like they're going to win this game down the stretch, and uh, it's not going to be what people expect. That number one jersey 
is going to outsell everybody's because it's going to be for the Patriots. And and Cam has that kind of New England attitude, does he not? I mean, he's got that uh, – he just has that little smart-alecky kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like the, It seems like the Patriots thrive with those things. Julian Edelman, he's just, a, he's just one of those guys that gets in your face. And Cam Newton is not scared not only to get in your face but to stand above you and kind of rub it in your nose whenever he scores a touchdown. Yeah, you, you know what? I like that swagger in general. I mean – I think Cam is over the hill. I honestly do. But that doesn't really matter with Belichick and McDaniels because they're just going to take the player and build the offense, whether it's him or no matter who it was. If it ended up being Stidham, they would have been running the ball 90% of the time and doing a little bit of play action. So whoever the player is, they're going to figure out how to maximize that player's production. Um, And that's the situation with Cam is they're going to run the ball a lot. They're going to fake handoffs. He's going to hold on to the ball. If they're in the red zone, they're going to let him run it in because they want to build his confidence. All these types. They know exactly what to do. Um, So, yeah, it's good to have that swagger. Do I think it's justified for him at this point in his career? Probably not. But overall, it's a good thing to have. You don't want to be the type of guy who lays down. You want to be that guy who's in your face and, and you keep pushing hard. He was so big. I forgot how big he was till I saw him on the field the other day. He, he's he's a mountain of a man. He could be a pass rusher. He could be a defensive end. <laughs> he probably could. Last he'd be game, the be, he'd be the best defensive player on the Jets. <laughs> last last game. Last game on the slate, John. Don't give me – you keep going back to the Jets. Uh, last game on the on the slate for us. This is the Monday night game. We got New Orleans going to Las Vegas. New Orleans is at minus 5.5 right now, minus 5.5. The over-under is set at 48.5. I can't believe the point total is that high for this game. The public is on – New Orleans, 69% of the public is on New Orleans. I, I, this is definitely one that I would rather take the underdog. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I, I'm not even debating this for a second. And you know how I feel about the Raiders. And, and were you impressed, by the no. way? Oh, Mr. Yeah, the yeah. Raiders got no offense. The Raiders are going to win one game. What, what happened? They scored freaking 35 points. They look like a superstar team the first game. All right, well, so, so be it. Josh, I, I, I didn't put in the Alabama running back factor. Excuse a moi. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. This is a no brainer. I don't have much to say about it. In my opinion, if you have a running quarterback, you can survive losing your number one receiver. If you have a pocket quarterback, who's never going to leave the pocket and Michael Thomas, even if he has a bad game, like he did last week, he draws so much defensive attention that it opens it up for everybody else. So you take him out of the equation. The only way the saints can win this game is on defense. Could they do it? Maybe, but I'm not even going to think about it. I'm not going to think twice. I'm taking the Raiders all the way. Uh, I'm actually going to take the Raiders to win this game straight up by three points and they're five and a half point underdog. So I'm taking the Raiders. Yeah, I don't blame you there. I don't know that they have anybody on the wide receiving core that we really want to concentrate on, but can we fire New Orleans? Pretty good, pretty good defense. Can we fire up Josh Jacobs again this week? Yeah, we can fire up Josh Jacobs, but you also know what are the odds of him getting three touchdowns again, right? I think this game is going to be, like you said, the the key, the factor is the over-under line of 48.5, which was originally 50.5, so it dropped two points already. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised that by game time it dropped to 47. So I think it's going to be lower scoring than people think, and that's going to be the key for the Raiders. So I'm not going to be too ecstatic about Jacobs because he is going to be so involved that it's going to run the clock. And I find it hard to believe he's going to get three touchdowns again. So it feels like a game where he gets like 70 yards rushing and a touchdown. That's what it seems like to me. All right, John, I have, I got you for one more minute. Give me some sleepers or somebody you think just going to nail it on DFS this week. 
Yeah, I mean, it, look, the, those tight ends down at the bottom, those were interesting. O.J. Howard at 3,900 is also interesting. Jonu Smith at 4,200. So those are some guys to look at at tight end. Uh, wide receiver, I like Michael Gallup in that high-scoring game. Um, I think Anthony Miller is interesting against the Giants, right, because Allen Robinson is going to get that attention, so one of those guys is going to shine. Um, I like Jerry Judy as a sleeper because everyone likes the Steelers' defense. So I think Judy could be good because no one's going to be picking him. He's going to have a low percentage owned. And then really quickly, I'll run over to the running backs. I think there's some situations you got to watch. Obviously, you got to try Jonathan Taylor as a starter. Hopefully, he can deliver at 5,700. Um, Mostert's at 64. Eckler's at 6,500. And a little bit lower down, uh, Swift maybe at 49. And then even further down, situation that could be a little bit tricky is those guys I talked about before like Akers, Peyton Barber, James Robinson. You're going to mix and match some guys down there. So there are some options out there. All right, John, great wealth of information. Again, if you are not following John Frisella on Twitter, you are making a big mistake at legend sports seven over on Twitter. You can also find all of his lists and everything over. Just Google John Frisella blog and you're going to find it. And, and what was the website again, where your new weekly article is on? That is Aaron Torres online and shout out to at fantasy Mike BBF who always provides good contact uh, and makes a lot of uh, chit chat and conversation on fantasy Twitter with a lot of knowledge. I haven't shouted him out yet and I promised I would because he deserves it. So shout out to my man, Mike. Yeah, great. I, you got so many different people that you interact with, John. It's it's great to follow you. I am privileged to have you on this show. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. And you've been listening to the John Frisella Show on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I am Wes Easley, your host, and you can find me on Twitter at Loafinit. Look up the show at FI Today with a little underscore on Twitter where you can get all the host names and you can follow each and every one of them so you can stay in tune with what's going on in the Fantasy Impact Today Network. Subscribe to the show any way you can, uh, whatever you feel comfortable in doing so, whatever platform you feel comfortable in doing so, just look us up on Anchor FM and then make sure you subscribe to the show, you leave a review, you rate the show, you slap those stars for me. But more importantly than all of that, the crew at Fantasy Impact Today always want to make sure to encourage you to find a way to take some positivity and make an impact in somebody's life today. <laughs> <laughs>